Hello and welcome to week two of the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Contest. See that coming, did ya? <laughs> That's right. Each week, an exciting new surprise. A twist, a turn, a double back, a hairpin, and a red herring. These paranormal party girls aren't your typical fair, but they don't care. They've got coarse hair. <laughs> and a deadly stare. Intrepid explorers. Fine connoisseurs of the cryptolo- uh, cryptozoological. Here we sit. In week two, you've already had one three-course meal of amazing unknown cryptozoological oddities. Well, tie on your bibs and get your chunder buckets ready because you're not done eating yet. You're, of course, talking about the metal band <laughs> Chunder Bucket. Oh, that's a great name. Opening for ice cream. <laughs> That's. I feel like Chunder Bucket is an Australian band. It's a Chunder Bucket. Sounds about right. Flora, what elegant lady creatures of the night or twilight do we have tonight? Well, Dave, tonight we'll be taking yet another trip around the world. As we do. Starting off. In my home state, my old Kentucky home. That's right, Kentucky. <laughs> we'll be taking a look at the beast of the land between the lakes. From there, we'll take a long-ass direct flight <laughs> to the shores of Zanzibar, where we'll hear tales of the insidious Popobawa. And from there, one more long-ass direct flight to the sunny outback of Australia, where we'll have a cracking unboxing of the Yowie. Pre-select your in-flight meals and make sure you have your frequent flyer rewards number handy because we're going around the world in this week two of the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Contest. I'm your host, David Stacco, and with me, as always, forever in eternity. Hi, I'm is David, David Flora. Flora. Hi. <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun in week one. I think week two is going to be just as fun. Yes, man. This this year we have seen some fairly wild action. Yep. And I'm into it. And and we're not slowing down. Oh, we are going no. to continue. This this is a particularly uh, bloody. What a year, I feel like. Yeah. And of course, at the end of this episode, we will find out who the victor of week one is. You know, it's uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Will it be the monkey man of New Delhi? 
the Wampus Cat, or the Groot Slong? Oh, it's so tough. It's so tough. I I know who I know who I'm going to put as my pick. All right, we'll save it. We'll save it we'll till save the it. moment's right. Yep, save it for the end of this episode. Yep. But for now, let's find out just what skill sets our week two ladies have. And we're going to start with the beast of land between the lakes. That's a weird name to begin with. How do you put that on a business card? LBL. (laughs) Oh, I guess there you go. (laughs) All right. So down in the western reaches of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, a long, narrow strip of land rests between two lakes, Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley. It's 170,000 acres of national forest that stretches almost from the northern border of Kentucky at the Ohio River down into Tennessee. It used to be between the rivers until dams were built in the 40s and 60s, creating the lakes. Around 40 miles long and 9 miles at its widest, Land Between the Lakes is a preserved outdoor recreation area perfect for outdoorsmen, naturalists, families, and nature enthusiasts. And possibly for those wanting to meet a horrific end. What? Needle scratch sound. Now here's the thing. What's the difference between a naturalist and a nature enthusiast? Education, people. Stay in school. That's right. For according to tales, in the pristine darkness of its undeveloped forests lives something that locals speak softly about and outsiders quickly learn to fear. The Beast of LBL. Yep. LBL. Lubble. The Lubble Beast. Lubble Lubble. (laughs) Several theories as to what the beast could be are floating around, and we'll come back to them. But the stories all seem to have a few characteristics in common. It's a seven-plus-foot-tall, heavily-muscled, dark, shaggy-haired canid. It has a wolf-like snout, glowing red eyes, makes incredibly loud, unearthly howls, is capable of savage, horrific attacks on animals and humans, and in some stories, it stinks like an open grave. (laughs) Tales of the Beast supposedly go back hundreds of years. Shawnee and Chickasaw natives lived in the area for a long time, and the land is said to be scattered with forgotten burial sites. At least one story claims that early French trappers were warned of a fearsome loup-garou. What? Or or werewolf. By Shawnee traders. Another tells of a Native American shaman who was found to be using black magic and killed while shape-shifted into wolf form. Killed whilst wolfing. Now, doesn't that usually just give you a human corpse? Oh, or is yeah. that just what the mainstream media wants me to believe? Well, of course, the latter. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. gotta gird your mind loins these days. <laughs> My mind loins! <laughs> Besides the native graves, several small settler cemeteries hundreds of years old are scattered and lost throughout the region. Local scuttlebutt already heard tale of curses, lights over gravestones, Witches and ghosts deep in the woods. But all gossip pales in comparison to the stories of the beast. Is uh, local scuttlebutt, is that still just boat sails? That's, that's the Midwest's largest boat and RV show. 
<laughs> For most accurate pricing information, check your local scuttlebutt. <laughs> it's like an auto trader, car, <laughs> car guide, car buying guide. Uh, right. Some believed it was the old shaman seeking revenge. Others said it was a settler who came over from Europe and carried a horrible disease that caused him to turn into a feral creature of the night. What? Folks would relate how their livestock would go missing, or worse, found ripped to pieces and eaten upon. Eerie howls would cut through the night, and some folks would hear something walk across their porches at night and then scratch on the door, only to find long gashes in the wood the next morning. Here's a story from Kentucky Ghosts. A group of young men from Murray State University were enjoying the woods on a warm spring weekend, sitting around a fire built by their VW microbus and just generally having a fine time. Now, their mode of transportation leads one to believe they might be herpes, <laughs> but we'll leave that to the side for now. You will. They might be filthy, (laughs) filthy hippies. As the evening began drawing in, one of the students went off to the woods to answer the call of nature. When he returned to the campsite, he told his friends that he'd felt like something was watching him and that he had heard something sniffing in the woods. His friend said he'd just heard a wild hog or some other animal. The student said he'd never heard anything like it before, and he grew increasingly nervous as the darkness gathered. As the night grew dark, the group started to hear the shuffling sound of something large moving in the fallen leaves. It seemed to be circling their campsite, moving incredibly swiftly. The boys began to become anxious. They shined their flashlights into the woods in the direction of the footsteps, but saw nothing. And then the howling began. What? A howling? It was a wild, insane howling. Now, quick question. Wait, sorry, I don't mean to stop you, but... An insane howling as opposed to a metered, completely reasonable howling. The howling of maybe a businessman. A logical howl. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Mm. It was like a wolf, only much louder than any wolf could ever be. And with an unnatural blood-curdling quality that made the howling sound almost like mocking laughter. Ooh. It seemed to come from everywhere around them. First one side of the circle of light around the fire, then from the other. Soon, the terrified campers began to catch glimpses of a pair of glowing red eyes as they ran past in the dark. The terrified boys retreated to their Volkswagen bus and wisely decided not to stick around to get a better view. Tearing down the road, they soon saw they were being pursued and that a massive, shadowy figure was racing behind them, barely visible in the bus's taillights. As the bus slowed to take a corner, they felt a massive jolt, and then it seemed as if something was holding the Volkswagen back. Given it everything, they broke free and tore out of the forest, and didn't stop until they were back on the Murray State campus. Once there, they found four deep gashes, like claw marks, torn into the metal of the engine compartment cover at the back of the bus. That's that's a good one. Yeah, that's my version of that sound. And that is how Murray State got their mascot, the Racers. (laughs) 
That's a you know you know what though you know, as much as I make fun of them for being uh, hippies, but uh, that's a good story, man. They yeah uh, they did what they supposed to, right? I guess. I, I mean they didn't have any shotguns, so you know doing the best they can with what they had. Yeah. Another story from the early '80s that might be more urban legend than rural fact tells of a family of four who were found horribly mutilated in their camper in the LBL. Wait. Like the whole family? The whole family. Apparently the bodies of a mother, father, and son were ripped up by claws and teeth, and a young daughter's body was found some distance away in a nearby tree. The markings were said to be too big for anything native to the area, and hair samples were said to not belong to any known species, but were closest to resembling a wolf. Some people say the police covered it up so as not to disrupt tourism in the area. But they had different theories about what that could be. You know, everybody was like, that's a bear, that's a bear. But apparently the police were like, nope, this is much bigger and more powerful than a bear. So, but here's the thing. Didn't you, you get into a Jaws scenario. You don't want to kill the tourism, but <laughs> there's a creature that's killing the tourists. Right. And, and everybody has very small boats. So, yeah. And you can, you can talk about it all you want. Don't say you're going to need one. Go get one. Walk the walk. Hashtag Jaws advice. <laughs> Look at its eyes. <laughs> if it's black, like a doll's eyes, you're going to have trouble. Hashtag Jaws advice. Jaws advice. <laughs> uh, Linda Godfrey relates a 2002 tale of an encounter in her book, Real Wolfman in which a man driving late one night in the area saw a shadowy figure dart across the road ahead of him. Stopping and turning his brights on, he just made out a huge canid walking on two feet, and suddenly a few smaller versions came out of the brush on the opposite side. He said they sounded like pups, but after a long, low growl from the large one, he gunned it out of there and never went back. Well, a rational response. Yeah. Uh, there are some remnants of concrete structures around the area that people call the bunkers, and gossip says they were built by the military to hunt down the beast, or beasts, but have since been abandoned. Hmm. Ultimately, sounds like a legend that has been built up over the years. For one thing, there are no sources to follow up with, nor is there physical evidence. These stories are, are more richly told than what we have here. In fact, the family, the story of the family, which... I would probably put a lot of money on being just a story. It's usually told in a little bit gorier detail whenever you find it, you know, yeah, online. But besides that, we all know what to think about eyes that glow any color. Oh, Tapetum, hashtag marked soul off. Yeah, eyes don't glow unless you're some undiscovered species of underground cave fish or something. If you can't beat them, to peat them. That's all right. Hashtag <laughs> Jaws advice. <laughs> hashtag Soloft shark advice. Boy, we're going to get real ugly on the hashtags here. It's not going to take long to, yeah. to run aground. Uh, what do you think, Dave? I like it. I like it a lot. I think that's that's like a just a great like campfire scare people who are camping slash potential cryptid sighting story. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Goes with the area, I think. Yeah. Well, that is the beast 
of the land between the lakes. And now, to distant Zanzibar, and to the land of the Popo Bawa. Oh, oh. oh no, the Popo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in one of the coolest names, semi-autonomous regions in the world, Zanzibar, there is a modern nightmare that terrorizes locals and causes many sleepless nights, and a f- an above-average number of densely puckered beeholes. <laughs> Uh, the Popobawa uh, is an entity said to fly through the night to attack men, women, and children, but mostly men. Sexist. Uh, it's described as having a dwarf body, bat-like wings and talons, small pointy ears, and a single eye. Although, it's also a shapeshifter. So you tell me what it looks like. <laughs> uh, the name is Swahili for bat wing. And it prefers being active at night, though it has been seen in the day. Some accounts also say that it has a sulfurous odor. It could just be gassy. You don't know. Uh, It can attack sleeping men, women, and children, but mostly men. And in a particular FU to folks, uh, is especially especially prone to attack those that don't believe in it. So, (laughs) Nice try, skeptic. Yeah, your skepticism is like sweet, sweet A1 steak sauce. (laughs) And if you think that F.U. was enough, that's wrong. Enough. That's enough. No, no, not for Popobawa. Oh. It has a, mo- a, a yet more sinister F yet to play. <laughs> the Popobawa's attacks include a literal effing of you, the victim. <laughs> this, uh, this episode brought to you by the number eight and the letter F. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Popobawa has been reported to sodomize its victims, particularly men who are unable to get away because of the paralyzing effects of it, uh, it causes. Uh, and yet in one more insidious insult to injury, it tells victims they must tell up to 10 other people what happened to them or it will make them its wife. It's like a physical manifestation of spam. Yeah. Chain letter is it's like the ring, but Uh a horrible, horrible version. Uh, victims report being in a, quote, waking dream while the Popobawa assaulted them, with some claiming uh, paralysis when waking and an, inabil- and an inability to even scream. Uh, and as silly as some might find it, there's a very, very real cultural component to these stories, which we'll get back to. Uh, attacks are reported all over, but mostly happened in the port city of Dar el Salem. Uh, attacks began around 1965 and the stories began circulating in the seventies about a sheik who wanted to teach his neighbors a lesson and unleashed a jinn, who of course he lost control of because that's how this always goes. Uh, in 1971, a young girl from the Island of Pembra was said to have become possessed by, by said demon. Uh, the attacks popped up here and there in the seventies and the eighties, but the biggest, biggest rash of sightings occurred in 1995. Uh, during the first week of Ramadan in 1995, complaints of nocturnal assaults began spreading through Pembra. And it was not unusual for multiple family members to be attacked on the very same night. Panic started to spread, and families started spending nights uh, spending the nights outside, huddled around fires. Gradually, the panic began to die down, but less than a month later, boom! Popobawa! Uh, it spiked again, resulting in the death of a mainlander by a mob who thought it was Popobawa in human form. Spoilers, it was not. Go figure. Uh, Yeah, the attacks continued, and in all, three people were killed by mobs in the panic before it finally wore off. 
More attacks happened in 2000 and 2007, and some researchers, spe- some researchers speculate all waves of sightings correlated with political cycles. Other researchers have alluded to the old hag syndrome and uh, hypnagogia, which we've talked about a number of times. I think everyone who's listened regularly or is into that kind of thing, the minute the minute you say paralysis upon waking. Yeah, yeah. Troubled um, sleep. And, this, yeah. and they also liken it to uh, stories of the incubus. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot. And we've talked about this, too. There's a lot of sexual inclusion in these sorts of things. You know, we talked about... Um, a witchcraft in similar regions and, and penis theft and things like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, that, 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 that always seems to, to make its way in there. Of course, there is also just classic good old fashioned mass hysteria. Uh, some folks have made the point that the creature is a way to address cultural taboos and subversively critique or discuss subjects such as gender, segregation, sexuality, poverty, and other complex subjects that are frowned upon talking about directly in the culture. Which I think makes good sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ca- I can see how exactly that would work out. And while there may be some very real cases of rape, and obviously people t- people were murdered as a result of this, right? Uh, which, are, of course, is never a laughing matter, the Popobawa could serve as a vehicle for expressing thoughts about things you're not supposed to express thoughts about. It wasn't my fault. It was a creature that slipped in through the window. I was powerless to stop it. Right. And I had to tell 10 people. Right. Right. You know, why would I do um, that if, if I were making it up or just exactly. wanting to talk about why I didn't like homosexuals? Yep. Uh, indeed, placing the blame on spirits for a variety of quote-unquote transgressions is not a foreign concept in the culture anyway. Um, the Popobawa is a shapeshifter attacking different locations and in different ways, and in this sense serves multiple meanings and stands for multiple things. Also, it can explain if maybe you were caught with a neighbor doing something nope popobawa shapeshifter oh yeah you know as funny as it might seem on the surface this is actually a very complex issue and it and it just the the way of the world turned itself into a cryptid so that i that's fascinating i think so yeah so there you go oh no the popo bawa popo bawa zenzibar All right. Well, rounding us out this week, Dave, we have the old classic Australian standby. The bunyip? The other old classic Australian (laughs) standby. The thylacine. The moonlight tiger. One of the fucking creatures that gets around (laughs) Australia. The yowie. Oh, the yowie. Yes. Harbinger of bad chocolate and uh, tiny uh, toys. Chocolate's not that bad, and it ours just went bad. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. Yowie, Yahoo, Yuri, Yahoo, or any number of other names, not even beginning with a Y, <laughs> or any of the other names that are also under licensed option by an internet service company, <laughs> or any members of the Sirius family. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Oh, Yahoo, Sirius. <laughs> nice deep cut. Uh, refers to Australia's hairy hominid version of Sasquatch. Mm, stories of encounters abound in Australian culture and news headlines, and we're going to do the best we can to boil this down to an informational summary, because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff about them. Yep, yep, yep. They're variously described in various accounts, but generally tend to be seven to nine feet tall, muscular, ape-like humanoids that are covered in brown or reddish fur, 
with large feet, wide, flat noses, and in some cases having sharp claws and large canine teeth like fangs. In some accounts, they are the most aggressive of the Squatch species. In others, they are very shy and timid. So, Dave... Uh-oh. Yeah, which one are you going to get? They can be anything. <laughs> yeah. Yowies. Some of... Could act so, anyway. They are, they are known as both the most terrestrial of hominids, but also they can teleport or just launch into the air like Superman sometimes. Some are said to have a pungent odor and a shrieking howl. They've been reported attacking kangaroos and dogs as well as livestock here and there and have been known to go after humans. Yep. Everything in Australia has been known to go after humans. That's true. They have been cited and written about since colonization, but aboriginal legends have been told of them for far longer. They claim to have coexisted with these quote-unquote big hairy men for centuries, telling stories of two different kinds of yaoi, one with descriptions closely matching those of Gigantopithecus, and another being around four to five feet tall and not as aggressive. Hmm. Cave art also depicts these creatures with tall, hairy figures besides smaller aboriginal ones. Coexistence wasn't all bonza, though, as the Yowies and aboriginals... <laughs> I see what you did there. ...warred with each other. Seems the Yowies, though bigger and faster, didn't have the advantage of tools and were eventually pushed to the remote areas of the countryside. Huh. During the early colonial era in the late 18th century, Aboriginal peoples often warned British settlers to beware of an ape-like creature lurking in the mountains and deep forests of the continent. Phillip Island, Victoria, 1849. Several people observed a creature said to be between six and seven feet tall, resembling a cross between a baboon and a man. At the time, the creature was said to be sitting on the edge of a lake when it was shot at. What? Well, I love that. Uh, an excerpt from the Maitland Mercury newspaper dated October 11th, 1877. Uh, just for, for, for all of our sanity, I will not be attempting my world-famous, razor-sharp, perfectly accurate Australian accent. Yeah, no. Just, I just, I just don't want to brag anymore about how good I am with it. So... Mr. Prosser, manager at Messrs. Amos and Company Sawmills at Amos Siding near Sutton Forest, has just, Jesus. That's great. Yeah, has just informed me that a most peculiar animal has been seen by two men, Patrick Jones and Patrick Doyle, residents of Sutton Forest in the bush between Cable Sidings and Jordan's Crossing. Mr. Prosser himself has seen the footprints, and they are three feet apart, and the impression made by the, by the feet is similar to that of an elephant. The animal is described as being seven feet high with a face like a man and long shaggy hair and makes a tremendous noise. Fourteen of the men from the mill, fully armed, intend, staring, uh, intend starting on Saturday next to endeavor to capture the wild man of the woods, and most probably your correspondent will accompany them. Mr. Prosser assures me that there is no exaggeration about this affair and that everyone, of, uh, that everyone at the mill believes in the existence of this strange creature. 1877 language. Yeah. They were super into the specific location of someone and yet never actually giving the specific location of someone. A 1936 photograph supposedly has a picture of a couple of loggers sitting on a log with a Yowie casually sitting beside them. What? Yeah. And the, the picture looks pretty good, but 
I could see it absolutely being pareidolia, if I'm oh, honest. Yeah. I'm sure if you looked up 1936 Yowie photo, you, you'd probably be able to see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how you you could just kind of put that together. Yeah. Oh, you know what it, you know what it looks like? Now, are you ready for a deep super deep cut? It looks like The Max. What is that from? It's a comic that was like a big deal like back in the 90s and even uh, MTV had an animated show about it. Wow, well, missed me. Yeah, it was like it was a real weird show where like the Max existed in a girl's imagination, maybe or maybe it didn't. Sometimes <laughs> I don't. I never watched the show. It just wasn't interesting to me. But hmm. I just remembered because you know yeah. the nineties, <laughs> the Max. I mean, uh, even the name is nineties. Yeah. Uh, in an article from October second, nineteen seventy nine, residents of Mergen, two hundred seventy five kilometers northwest of Brisbane generally are skeptical about an alleged sighting of a Yowie in their area, according to Mergenshire Chairman Commander Bill Roberts. A former resident, Mrs. Roy Locke, said she and her husband saw a meter-tall, hairy animal standing by the roadside near Kilkeven, about 20 kilometers out of Mergen, when they were driving from Hervey Bay to Mergen. <laughs> they got $50 every time they printed Mergen. <laughs> yeah, they they got uh they yeah, they definitely signed a deal with Mergen. I also thought you said Pervy Bay, and I was like, what? Pervy Pervy Bay. A meter tall is not that big, right? No. No, that is not big at all. That's tiny. Yeah. Hmm. That is the antithesis of big. Commander Roberts said, I heard a report that someone had found ape like footprints in our area, but no one I've spoken to knows who it was. He said, we have, uh, we've had our share of the supernatural with many reports of unidentified flying objects and other strange stories. Mrs. Locke, who now lives in Theodore, 330 kilometers west of Bundaberg, not Mergen, but on, on the way out of Mergen, if you're headed uh, away from Mergen, said she saw the animal just before dusk. It had broad shoulders and stood there looking at us as we drove past, she said. We didn't go back for another look, and we wouldn't have told anyone about it if other recent sightings weren't reported in the area. Yowies are claimed to be relatives of the Abominable Snowman, or Yeti, of Asia, and Bigfoot of Canada and America. Commander Roberts said, I suppose there are a few belts of virgin forest behind Cherbourg Aboriginal Reserve, six kilometers from Mergen. Mergen's the new f***ing Dorchester. (laughs) Look at these these guys out of Mergen. (laughs) How far is that from Megan? Say hi to your mother for me. I just want to know. I want to know how far I got to drive to see one of them yowies. Chairman of Cherbourg's local Aboriginal council says there is no Aboriginal explanation for the yowie. We have no Kadecha men or witch doctors here, he said. But there is a small man called a Jinjuri who was seen here as recently as eight years ago. He was about a meter tall and used to play with the children in the old hospital. Several adults claimed to have seen him when they heard children laughing at night, but I don't know if he was hairy or not. <laughs> you're just, you're not you're not narrowing things down. Oh well, I mean, we didn't call him Yowie, but we do have. A, and he just starts listing off all the weird other stuff that's going on. <laughs> this is why it's hard to. That's this is why it's hard to investigate one simple murder in Twin Peaks. <laughs> Too many other things going on. So sightings of Yowies continue today, and we even discussed it in Bullstone with Emma, who who mentioned 
Rex, Rex Gilroy. Gilroy. Cryptid Hunter. Rex says he's investigated over 3,000 cases and thinks it's definitely related to the North American Sasquatch. And Boom. thinks it definitely exists so he can still have a job as a cryptid hunter. Well, also, it's Australian, so it's it has to be venomous as well. <laughs> Even with a history so long and illustrious, no hard, convincing evidence have been found to support such a creature. No bones, no re- reliable films or photos, few tracks. Uh, of course, hoax or misidentification is on the table as an explanation. But like Squatch and Yeti, there seems to be no stopping the legend of the Yowie. Boom. I love it. I'm, I, I gotta be honest. I am the Yowie. I'm surprised to see in Miss Cryptid this year only because if you had asked me, I would have been certain that the Yowie was in a previous year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We stay away from, from the ape men quite a bit, don't I we? I guess you're right. I, I guess we don't uh, do, we don't do Aitman much. Aitman. Oh man, there you go. Those that's, are your three elegant ladies this oh week. You're, it's not going to be easy, but you will have to choose. I can't I can't stay I can't spare you from that fate. I have no idea who's going to prevail in this one. It's a tough it's, it's a tough call. Yeah, it's a tough it's, call. It's going to be a, a a bloody brawl. It will. But I've got good news, Flora. What? We don't have to decide that right now. Actually, we don't have to decide it at all. It's the (laughs) listener's job. It's true. Uh, But what we can do is at least get some puns going. Flora, what do you got? Oh, my goodness. Well, let's see, Dave. I wonder if you you saw this in the research or not. There's a a creature that flies on dark bird wings and attacks African villages and sodomizes your mind by repeating the same word over and over. What? Locals were baffled until they found out it was all just made up. By local horror author Edgar Allan Popobawa. <laughs> nice. Did you uh, did you see this thing? There's a, a really big craze on the East Coast, uh, particularly at like uh, Jewish delicatessens. People used to love. Uh, people you know, always order potato pancakes because they're delicious, and usually you get a little applesauce, some sour cream. People are giving up on both those things hmm. because uh, they they've been going for marmite. Are you familiar with Marmite? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right in direct competition with Vegemite, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's a, a yeast-based breakfast spread, and it's 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 absolutely supplanted uh, uh, sour cream and applesauce as the uh, the yeast of the land between the latkes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> You put it between them and you, that's how people like it. The <laughs> land between the latkes. Who likes that? <laughs> Nobody likes Marmite that was born in America. Uh, I, 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 I do know this. I, growing up, I had uh, uh, some friends and they, they were British and he loved it. And he was like, here's the, and I was like, well, can I try it? And he was like, no. And I'll tell you why. You're not going to like it. And any amount that you eat is an amount I don't get to eat. And this is hard to get. So you won't, I'm not even going to let you try it. I have no faith in anyone anymore. This is all for me. (laughs) So to this day, I still never tried it. (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah. So there you go. There's some puns for you. And, uh, and, and now ladies and gentlemen, Uh Oh, the results of week one of the 2017 Ms. Cryptic. 
Contest. Here we go. Here we go. Just just making it as weird as I can. <laughs> Too late. All right. Flora, you already have the results, as you always do. Finger sure. on the pulse. Hey, uh, uh, me, I, uh, real quick, big yeah. shout out. Uh, thank, thanks to everyone who went and voted. Shattered yeah. the record for, for votes. Yes. Yes, for shattering records. Yeah. Yes, for maximum votes. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for participating and keep it up. Yeah. Got a few more weeks of it. That's right. You just started. Uh, Now, I got to say, as I think on last week, maybe maybe it's because I have such an awesome T-shirt, but I'm I'm going for the Wampus Cat. Oh. That's who I think is going to be the winner. So it's between the Mucky Man of New Delhi. Yep. The Wampus Cat. And the Groot Slong. Yeah. Why do you think Wampus Cat? Just it's a it's a fun name. A six legged cat. Come on, who can't get behind that? I think that it's going to be Groot Slong in second place and Monkey Man in New Delhi in third. Mm, interesting. All right. That's well, my guess. That's that's the, we'll see how I do. I mean, and I have sometimes I've been able to call them beautifully, and sometimes. I'm the perfect polar opposite of right every time. It so- sounds just like a Tuesday. Yeah. All right, Dave. The winner of week one of the 2017 Miss Cryptid Contest is... is... The Wampus Cat. Woo! Yes! The kid's got the touch. He knows what's up. He understands the mind of the people. I'm your friend. Vote for me. I'm never running for anything because this podcast pretty much ensures I can never get elected to office. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's the truth. Uh, Dave Stecco says he gets it when you talk about eating another human. <laughs> not right for Iowa. Not, not right, right for, for America. <laughs> and who's this Todd Wanamaker he hates so much? <laughs> Todd Wanamaker sounds like a pretty cool dude after all. <laughs> A spotless record. We couldn't find a thing on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Dave, you didn't. You 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 picked the the winner, but you didn't get the trifecta. Oh, really? Yeah. Groot slang on third place, huh? That's right. Uh, congratulations to the Wampus Cat. She'll yes, be, she'll be moving on to the finals. And uh, don't forget to go on to the website. Yes. Cast your vote this week for who your favorite was. Between the Beast of the Land Between the Lakes, the Popobawa, and the Yowie. That's right. That's blurryphotos.org. Go to the website. Vote. Yep. Vote hard. Uh, and uh, special thanks to listener Kelly from Betty's Beasts and Blankets, who sent us an amazing little uh, Goatman statue. That thing is awesome. Yeah. It go- goes along with our Jeff that she made for us. And uh, thank you to Captain Catfish oh, yeah. for his amazing, uh, it's like a press pack. Like, I wish we had our business together as well as Captain Catfish. And uh, I spent all day yesterday stumbling around my backyard with a koozie full of sweet, delicious beer, kept cold by Captain Catfish. Yeah, we, we might hear back from uh, Captain Catfish uh, in the near future, but... Good. Yeah, thanks to him. Uh, and thanks to all of you for participating and making this a grand old time of the year in the Blurry Ever universe. Absolutely. Calendar. Uh, and it's almost, it's almost perfectly six-month opposed to... Photober. Uh, Photober. Not exactly, but still great. True. And don't forget, if you, uh, if you haven't yet, go to our uh, Facebook page 
and go down uh, our posts that we have because just just about a week ago now uh, I posted a link to go onto the Chicago Reader website, which is a local paper here. Yeah, uh, they're doing a best of Chicago, uh, and and it's open for nominations. And they this year they have a podcast category. And so we'd appreciate it if you'd go on there. The instructions are on the Facebook posts on our Facebook page. You can click the link, go there, and uh, nominate us for best podcast. We'd we'd really appreciate that. Indeed, we would. And then um, if we, I guess, happen to get tr- to be chosen uh, as one of the finalists for that, then there will probably be a voting scenario for us in the near future. So get your voting fingers ready because you're going to need them soon. Hopefully. Yep. <laughs> We're getting into voting season. This is a great way to get you used to voting because voting's important if you haven't noticed. That's right. So thank you, everybody. Yes. We will see you again next week for more cryptid co- uh, collecting and consideration. <laughs> the three C's. The three C's. <laughs> uh, bye. Bye. bye.